And that was it. And that was how I was able to pilot Jan Love through to uh, three rounds of victory. Howdy friends, Craig here. This is a solo episode from uh, Ray Flynn, where uh, recently he won a uh, three-rounder here in Charlotte, and he takes us step-by-step through what he took into each round, who he faced, and how he ended up taking first. Enjoy. here from the third floor and today we're going to discuss Jan Lowe. I recently piloted, piloted him in a tournament going three rounds undefeated and was able to take the uh, first place victory there. So I just want to go through and uh, talk about each of the rounds I played, the opponents I played against or at least the factions that I played against and what uh, determined some of my decisions and why I took what I took. So we're going to go right into round one with standard deployment turf war playing against Bayou. So I initially had a plan of coming into this tournament and running three masters. I wanted to run Yonlo turn one because it was standard turf war. Uh, we were running the uh, fifth round of the Nova Open, which was corner plan explosives, which screamed Molly to me. And then round three was flank corrupted idols, which I felt Karai was the correct pick into. What ended up happening was due to my opponents. Some of those plans changed. But for round one, I stuck with the initial plan of Jan Lowe going into this. It was against Bayou, and I would find out against Ma Tucket. And because I'd never really played against Ma, I wanted to play a little bit more safe than I might have normally gone. So I stuck with my normal plan of Tashiro, hired a mindless zombie to summon off of turn one and get me that Ashigaru. I also summoned an Ashigaru with a Graves, or hired an Ashigaru with a Grave Spirits touch, I believe. Um, a Gokudo, Chiaki, Izamu. I think that's it. I might be missing something here or there. And then, of course, we got the uh, the Soul Porter. Um, my Montucket opponent brought Big Brain Brin, of course, Trixie Bell. Um, a couple of Rooster Riders, because they're absolutely broken right now. And uh, he had a Bushwhacker, I want to say, maybe. So he deployed on basically kind of across the board. He hid Bryn behind a building in the far back. So Bryn wasn't going to get into the picture. Trixie was kind of nearby. Maud, Little Lass went to center. Rooster Rider, Bushwhacker out to one flank. Rooster Rider out to the other flank. So immediately when I deployed my forces, I decided I was going to send Izamu after one. And I was going to use my Gokudo to go after the other one. Um, and so what ended up happening here was, oh, I think I took Anna Lovelace. That's kind of important for this. Uh, what ended up happening here is I got kind of lucky early on, and I was able to get 
Nizamu in early on turn two into his Rooster Rider. And I think I read Joker the damage flip and killed it in one hit. And that wasn't something that was too expected from either of us, but definitely helped me because it ended up being his Vendetta target. So that pretty much denied him those two points. Uh, my Gokudo that I used um, with Toshiro. So let me discuss this real quick. What I use Toshiro for is bringing a mindless zombie. Toshiro activates, pops the mindless zombie into an Ashigaru, heals it, gives it a couple of points of focus, pushes it, whatever, moves up to position. I don't really care what else he does. Because what Anna's going to do is Anna's going to come in and she's going to blow him up with a remote detonation. When he dies, the upgrade, the reliquary upgrade goes to the Gokudo. Then the Gokudo is going to get targeted with Yan Lo to bring Toshiro back. And then I put the Gokudo on a flank. And so that's what I did here. And that Gokudo dove into the other Rooster Rider just to tie it up, basically. Because range 14 gun with focus and fast and two, four, five damage track, I think, is just like, it's not something I wanted to deal with. So I wanted to get it into melee as quickly as possible. So Gokudo goes in. Izamu had his soul split out, goes the other side. Turn two, Red Joker, that damage flip. I think early turn three, my Gokudo took out the other Rooster Rider, and those threats were kind of eliminated. Ma came in, started putting some markers down. By this point in turn three, Yan Lo was starting to get himself powered up. And I had controlled the Turf War markers because of being able to kill a couple of his models early, and he hadn't really been able to kill mine. So I took away a lot of his killing powder, killing power, because once the Rooster Rider was gone, there was nothing really to contend Izamu on the uh, left flank other than his Bushwhacker and Little Last. And so the Bushwhacker just went down to Izamu pretty hard. Uh, I kept the I kept Chiaki kind of nearby because I was doing Harness, if I if I remember correctly. Um, but then Ma came up center to start threatening the Turf War marker there and the Turf War markers I'd left completely unprotected in my backfield. Because uh, I'd push forward into his two quarters. So that's where Chiaki came in to save the day with a hole through the world and flung Ma right back into the center of the table to protect one of my markers. And then I brought Yanlo to bear. And Yanlo, uh, once he gets to turn three, is just a monster, is able to put out a tremendous amount of damage. So I had Ash ascending up. I had Spirit ascending up with uh, Izamu's Reliquary, so he wasn't going down anytime soon. And just start throwing out the powerhouse upgrades, the blood upgrade to be able to get his extra darkest magic attack, the bone upgrade, which allows me to get the extra undead attack. By this point, Toshiro had been killed a second time and rezzed a second time um, by his enemies. And he had to start bringing Big Brain and Bryn around to just try to slow me down a little bit. And then from that point on, it became a denial game. I really didn't try to score any more points. All I was trying to do was deny the rest. So I was able to get uh, three points, I think, on turf war. And then I got one point on one of my schemes and two points on the other of my scheme and kind of sh- shut him down 6-1. Um, he was able, or it might have been 6-2, he was able to score one or two points. But he, there was just nothing he could do because I completely controlled the board. And a large part of that came from the fact that he just couldn't remove any of my models. And then anytime he got close, one of my Ashigaru would be nearby. I'd pitch a card and the Ashigaru would take the hit. That just shut him down completely. So that was round one for me. Went extremely well. Matake could have been absolutely disastrous for me. But fortunately, due to the overall tankness of the crew, some of the instill youths, um, being able to target my own models with Vile Reclamation off of the Ashigaru, just because I didn't care about the injured and I wanted the healing. And then, of course, Foulmouth Motivation from Toshiro 
all of that healing kind of came together to uh, keep all of my guys up while I slowly whittled his down, or in the case of a red jokered rooster rider, not so slowly. And that was the recap for my round one. Go ahead and take a quick break. You can hear the dulcet tones of Craig, and we'll get right back at you with the recap of round two. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business, and nobody has better quality and selection than mats by Mars. They're waterproof, and they roll and unroll easily, and they're even wet erase marker compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order. If you really want to support us in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. So round two was initially supposed to be a molly pool, but my opponent declared Neverborn. And I happen to be familiar with this opponent. He's a player from my personal meta. We have uh, three, four metas in, in, that are very active. And I've played pretty much everyone in our Raleigh meta. And this was one of those, uh, one of these opponents, uh, Dan- Danny Phillips. And he's a great Neverborn player. And I was very concerned about him bringing Zoraida because we were looking at Corner of Plant Explosives. We had searched the ruins in there. Breakthrough was in there. Uh, power ritual outflank claim jump i mean it was scheme 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 which is why molly was my first pick but i don't actually like molly into zoraida there's just not really a whole lot of defense other than the night terrors bringing concealment but they go down pretty quick if you get in melee and bad juju's there so if bad juju comes in i mean it's just it it sounded bad to me so i went with the tech pick of going all right izamu's unyielding Yan Lo is really hard to kill. His crew is really hard to kill. When we declared Masters, he declared Dreamer, which I was not expecting at all, was not prepared for at all. So my goal at that point became, all right, well, seeing as how I'm not facing Zoraida, I can change some of my tactics away from being so Ashigaru heavy. And I now need to worry about being able to scheme a little bit better. So that to me said, Archie, I thought about bringing Manos, but because I know how hard the stitched together can hit in Dreamer, because I play Dreamer. Um, I did still want to have an Ashigaru present, and then I still wanted my Gokudo warping board presence because I was going to go for Power Ritual, and uh, he basically gets me that first point of Power Ritual for free. So uh, my list ended up being uh, the Whisper on Yan Lo, because I felt that card advantage was going to be very important um, against the Dreamer crew, who can purge cards out of their deck very quickly. I brought Archie, Izamu, uh, because I wanted the extra hitters. Uh, Chiaki came along for the ride, not for any particular reason other than I wanted to put Manos's upgrade, or not Manos's upgrade, I'm sorry, Izamu's upgrade on Archie to give him a bit more tankiness. Toshiro, of course, with the Mindless Zombie for that standard trick. Didn't bring in a Lovelace this time because I wasn't going to go heavy into the Ashigaru pool. I just wanted to have one out there in case Lord Chompy bits or, you know, something came a little close. And then a Gokudo. He ended up bringing a fairly control-oriented Dreamer list and not a kill-oriented Dreamer list. Uh, so he had Hinamatsu, which was his major kill model. And then, of course, Lord Chompy bits. 
But uh, he brought the uh, Widow Weaver and the Bandersnatch. And I'd never really been exposed to either of those because I don't play them in Dreamer at all. And I hadn't seen them on the table. So he ended up using the markers to really, the web markers to really, really good effect. And we had kind of a slog in the, uh, the middle. He ended up using Lord Chompy Bits as a scheme runner because he ran Breakthrough, which I was completely unprepared for. We both ran Search the Ruins, and I ran Power Ritual. So Plant Explosives, I definitely had a leg up on him because I was able to get Izamu, Archie, and Toshiro pretty far up the board very quickly. The Gokudo, of course, was able to get up very quickly um, for the uh, Power Ritual. And we just ended up kind of slightly off-center duking it out pretty heavily. Um, he brought Tuco to try to threaten me turn one, but he didn't quite realize how fast my crew could be. So I was able to eliminate Tuco turn one, but his Hinamatsu came in and just started tearing me apart. And in order to try to mitigate Hinamatsu, because Hinamatsu's major threat is that she has the positives built in. I mean, the armor too, first of all, but she has positives built in. And then she onslaughts with Flurry. So she can potentially get six attacks in a round and being a henchman, you can absolutely stone for this if you need it. So I ended up having to bring Yan Lo up a lot earlier than I intended because I needed his hazardous aura from Ash Ascendancy to try to lock her in and keep her from generating so much AP advantage um, through her attacks. And that actually ended up working very well in my favor. I think I was able to bring Hinamatsu down to like two hit points before the end of the game. But then Dreamer and Lord Chompy Bet start going on a scheming run rather than where I thought they were going to go. Stitched Together were getting summoned in, um, and I constantly had to deal with those, but I had to kind of lock those guys down. His Lucid Dreams was working well for him, but not quite as well as he may have hoped. And he had to throw out quite a number of moderates as opposed to uh, the, the, the uh, ideal weeks uh, with the occasional severe for his uh, Gamble Your Life. Um, but I was able to take out pretty much his Stitch Together. Any of his Stitch that popped up, I was able to take out except for the last one. And he just ran out of AP is kind of the problem he had because uh, Hinomatsu couldn't go in. Bandersnatch couldn't go in. I'd already taken Tuco off the table. His daydreams were insignificant. So for the massive amount of markers he needed to drop for both for Breakthrough, Power Ritual, and Search the Ruins, he ended up having to send Chompy out. And so I had to repurpose myself and Jan Lo ended up having to leave so he could go contest. Chompy was way too fast. He used web markers to get Widow Weaver down at one health to jump her out and suddenly send her off to go scheme. So I was kind of like really a little bit on my back foot there. But I was able to use Yon Lo to pick up uh, a bomb and deny one of his points while still getting, uh, I think I got all four of my points on the strat. And then uh, I was able to get uh, two points on one scheme and then one point on the other scheme, I think, for a six or seven point game for me. And uh, it was a marginal win. He only uh, missed out by like two points, I want to say, because he got his point for breakthrough. He got a point for search and got two points for bombs. So I think it ended up being something like 5-4 or 6-4, um, somewhere in that neighborhood. But it was a really, really close game, really tight game. And I was very thankful that I decided to go ahead and bring Archie into the fray because his ability to leap uh, not only scored me a uh, two plant explosives because he got the bomb off of Tuco, but it allowed him to get out and putting the armor on him from Izamu kept him alive because when he got, uh, when the stitch together came in and the Bandersnatch came in, uh, they did a lot more damage than was expected. 
And he was down to, I think, one hit point. And I think one lucky flip kept him alive. And then I was able to heal him back up to practically full between his flurry, um, biting off a piece from throwing a corpse marker, and then uh, instill you from Yon Lo. So that was a really close call, but he ended up being my MVP piece because of all that. All right. And that was round two. We'll be right back after a short break and I'll go into the last bit and the deep dive of round three, which was some resurrectionist on resurrectionist action. Howdy, folks. Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars gadget bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring, along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. three ended up being um versus damien guy who i've only played once before i believe and that was in a tournament when he was still playing arcanist back in m2 and he's doing the reser thing in m3 he lives out in greenville i believe and uh when he came to the table i was pretty certain he was going to pick karai because that's what i was going to pick and i just was kind of going i know he's a high caliber player i know he's got a good feel for the game and so he's going to see this pull and he's going to go okay this is going to be a Karai pool. You want those summons to help eat up some of that damage from the Corrupted Idols and also to put a lot of pressure on your opponent with bringing in the Akirio. And I didn't like the odds of a Karai on Karai match. Um, I don't feel that my Karai game is strong enough to go into a mirror match like that. So again, rather than going with the pick I originally did, I decided I was going to bring Yon Lo. So this Yonlo version, though, I decided I wanted to be a denial version. So I didn't really bring things to do damage so much as I did to be annoying. I did bring Archie again because of his leap. And I brought Manos, which has been dubbed the uh, Wonder Twins in the Resurrectionist chat that I'm a part of. And the reason for that was is because I knew that I was going to be dealing with a lot of incidental damage because we have the vengeance thing going and I didn't really want to be attacking too heavily, but I wanted to threaten severely and I wanted to be able to be doing at least min two, which both Manos and Archie can uh, through different means. And I wanted the regeneration that I got on Manos and then the regeneration that Archie would get from Manos's upgrade plus the eternal, of course. I took an Ashigaru with Grave Spirits touch. No Toshiro this time. I didn't have the points for him. He was too slow, didn't bring enough to the table, didn't bring enough damage. But the uh, the Ashigaru is a two-inch reach that can throw out injured, can heal itself, has regen now, has terrifying duel because of the Grave Spirit's touch. And it's just all around just a really bad model to have to waste AP on. And I thought that it would be a great model to chuck some of Ikirio's irreducible damage on because hard to kill is still a thing. So even if I get hit with two or three swings from Ikirio, um, he's going to survive more likely than not, unless like, you know, they spike a severe or something. So um, brought a Kokuto like normal. And uh, the other tech pick for this was Sloth because of his interaction with Archie being able to give heal three without slowing him. 
but also because I had no problems using the Ashigaru to take hits and then healing the Ashigaru and giving it slow because its goal was to get into a singular location and kind of sit there. Extended reach was also a big thing because aside from, uh, I think Drowned have a ranged attack and Molly have, or not Molly, uh, Karai has a really good ranged attack. The rest of her crew don't have solid ranged attacks. They have uh, utility ranged attacks. They want to get into your face and start beating you down and then rely on you having to waste AP on incorporeal with vengeance up to do the rest of the incidental damage needed to take you out. So by bringing Manos and Inashigaru, I had two sources of extended reach to prevent the charges. And that meant that things like using Lost Love's uh, burnout trigger on, her he- on his heel to be able to give like a Curio Fast, for instance, was just going to mean that a Curio has to walk in and swing twice rather than walk in and swing three times, which just meant I was going to survive that much more. Um, Chiaki came in again. I wanted to be able to get Minos's upgrade onto Archie, and then I was going to send her off to start trying to score me uh, Harness the Ley Line, which was one of the schemes in the pool. The other schemes were Assassinate, Deliver a Message, Dig Their Graves, and Vendetta. And I opted on Deliver a Message because I knew I wasn't going to go after killing anything, and I knew that I could lock Karai down because there's not really a way for her to get out once you get once you get her engaged because um, you can't use the station to walk her. I think it's a walk, not a move. I figured he was going to probably take Dig Their Graves and Vendetta. I ended up being wrong and he took Deliver a Message as well, which kind of surprised me. But uh, we ended up in this big scrum in the middle. He overextended Jakuna a little bit, popped the aura, you know, went to put out some damage. I decided to just immediately focus her down so that way I could control the middle. And that's effectively what happened for the rest of the game is he was able to bring Manos down near to dead before I could bring my Ashigaru in position to stop the Akirio rush. But once uh, I was able to activate him, he healed. And then a couple of siphon powered strikes that I didn't or a couple of, uh, yeah, siphon life strikes that I didn't need to siphon power for. Uh, was able to heal him a couple more points, and then Yanlo basically brought him up to full from there. And then he never really was threatened health-wise again from that point. I think that I got kind of lucky there. I think he Black Joker to damage flip somewhere in there, and that's really the reason why Mano stayed alive. And then after that, I was just able to keep him up. Uh, the Ashigaru locked in the Lost Love and uh, Akirio for a couple of turns. He summoned uh, Gorio and a Drowned. I used um, Chiaki, I believe, to push them back and make them waste AP. He had a couple of Shikome that he hired in that he sent on flanks. Um, one of them he had to kind of bring back in, and then the, an idol dropped in the far corner, and he had to go back out with it. So that Shikome kind of didn't really do anything. The other one had to scheme run on the flank that I had Shiaki kind of running on, and they didn't really do anything to each other other than disengage, and, and or not disengage, but like, push themselves out and drop markers down and then maybe half-heartedly swing at one another for most of the game. So I feel like those two Shikome didn't really do him any favors that game. I don't think they, they were a good use of points. And then that gave me all of the rest of my crew was dead in that center there. And that gave me a lot of ability to just kind of sit back and control what was happening. So I was able to get my search the room, or I'm sorry, my harness the ley line pretty easily the first point. And then I dove Archie into Karai turn three, I think, to get deliver a message. And uh, he was also going for harness delay line, deliver a message uh, conveniently enough. 
So I was able to deny one of his harness, his first harness line attempt. But when we got towards the end of the game, uh, despite the fact that he had quite the AP advantage on me because of his model count, um, he couldn't get into position with anything that wasn't engaged or engage or engaged by my models in a way that he would be able to functionally perform his schemes. And that I think ultimately is what won me the game because we had a couple of corrupted markers, corrupted idle markers drop in the center that I was able to just kind of move just barely into his area and then just park myself there with, you know, Manos's extended reach and two inch threat range and just be like, you can't get to this marker to do anything to it. And that really stymied him. And there wasn't really anything he could summon in to stop that. And because of Curio's hits kept being pawned off on the Ashigaru at the worst times. It's just, it's just, he didn't have enough good things to do with his AP to be able to get through my denial. And that's where uh, I got the leg up on the game. I think we finished something like five, one. He, uh, he had a really good ploy going to try to uh, get the second point for deliver the message off of me. But uh, I was able to um, severe hit the lost love with Archie on a uh, double on a single neg i was able to get the uh, the double severe dream and did six damage and just took him straight out and that denied any ability for him to score points from that point on because that was like the last significant model he had access to at that stage so that's how that round went and uh it was a good round it was a very tense fight it was very well done but uh the denial aspects of yan lo were able to uh win me the day uh, the hazardous aura unfortunately didn't come into play because of all the incorporeal that he had, but I was able to take quite advantage of his blood ascendancy upgrade, which gave him the one inch reach for gunfighter. And that helped me lock down and control an idol and a couple of scheme markers at one point. And then me being able to just push his guys out. Oh, that's, that was what I used to push his guys out was Jan Lowe's treacherous pass. Being able to push his summons out was just super strong because he was effectively trading an AP for and a card for a summon that I would then trade an AP to effectively deny for two rounds. And so the first couple of turns of summoning, I just had to either power through or kill whatever he brought in. But then the last couple of rounds of summoning, um, I just had to keep them from engaging me in any meaningful manner. And that's what Yan Lo was fantastic at doing. Because with all the healing he had and all the repositioning and the no charging and all that jazz, uh, I didn't have to worry about a curio. I could let a curio just wail on me with her one or two, you know, with her two hits or her one or two hits if I was able to get her out of range and she had to walk back in and then swing half-heartedly. He missed his burnout trigger a couple of times. So it was just one of those things where it's like, I didn't have to worry about the Akirio bomb because I kept her mitigated. So pro tip, you play against Karai, mitigate Akirio, don't kill her. And you take out a lot of that power there. And that was it. And that was how I was able to pilot Yan Lo through to uh, three rounds of victory. Hope the information here helps somebody out there. And uh, we'll talk at you guys later. Thanks for tuning in. This was Ray with the third floor. And stay tuned for more wonderful content coming from Craig and I as USFT gets geared up and underway. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on The Third Floor.